Are you trying to squeeze the starting solid food stuff into your already busy schedule? Well, I have an all-in-one done-for-you solution that's going to take the guesswork out of feeding your baby. My online program is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro. It contains all of my baby led weaning training videos, the original 100 First Foods content library, plus a 100-day meal plan with recipes like the exact sequence of which foods to feed in which order. So if you want to stop trying to piece all this feeding stuff together on your own, I would be honored if you would join me inside of the program. You can get signed up at babyledweaning.co slash program. Have you tried peanut with your baby yet? So intact nuts and thick globs of nut butters are choking hazard for babies. So we can't do that, but we do need to get peanut protein into your baby early and often to help lower the risk of peanut allergy down the road. So my favorite way to do peanut for baby lead weaning is using the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs. Now, these are not those little starchy puffs that earlier eaters can't pick up, the ones you see at the grocery store in the container that oftentimes contain added sugar, sodium, and refined grains. No, the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs have no added sugar. They're about the size of your adult pinky finger, which is the perfect length for baby lead weaning. So I have students and parents always asking about like different puffs. I saw one today that a mom asked me about. It had three different allergens in it, which makes no sense because you can't observe for a reaction if your baby is trying three new allergenic foods at once. How do you know which of the ingredients is causing the reaction? The only potential allergenic ingredient in the Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs is peanut. You can get 15% off of Puffworks Baby Peanut Puffs if you use my affiliate discount code BABYLED. So head to puffworks.com and enter that code BABYLED, L-E-D, at checkout. And good luck to you guys trying peanut. But in terms of high chairs, I could not agree more. I think the high chair is the thing you should focus on for baby led weaning and for just feeding your baby in general. A good high chair will last you from six months until some of them last until an adult. If an adult wants to sit in the chair, they can. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby-led weaning. All right, what sort of gear or gadgets should you buy for your baby when you're getting ready to make the transition to solid foods around six months of age? I, as a mom of seven, I'm a little on the frugal side, and I'm a dietitian, food-first approach, baby-led weaning expert, and I'm a huge proponent of not needing to buy a bunch of junk to give your baby a safe start to solid foods. Having said that, there are definitely a few pieces of gear that I do recommend having. They're not only practical, but they also promote independent feeding. They're developmentally appropriate for your baby, and they're going to make your life a little bit easier. So I share a lot of my favorite picks, but like that's not my full-time job. There is someone, though, who has a full-time job of picking baby gear, and her name is Jen Labratio. And Jen is the baby gear editor at Babylist. And she's also a mom of two, and she's doing baby led weaning right now with her second baby. She's gonna tell you guys a little bit about it, but she basically has like an eight-year-old, huge gap baby, doing baby led weaning, looks at, picks out, selects gear all day long for Babylist, but she's gonna be sharing her absolute favorite baby led weaning gear picks as both the expert, but also a baby led weaning mom. And again, the gear editor for Babylist. So Babylist, like, I think I knew what Babylist was, but I don't think it was around when I was doing registries, or at least for my first child. But every single person whose registry I look at, they always have a Babylist registry. So basically, you can put anything onto your baby registry from any store. I just buy all of my friends' easy-peasy first food sets for their baby showers. But I know a lot of you guys know Babylist, so you're probably familiar with Jen's work. 
She's like a huge gear nerd. And I just love the way she breaks down the different episodes. I feel like I can call her a nerd at this point. We had such a fun conversation and I just love hearing her expertise. I hope you guys like her picks. This is Jen Labratio from Babylist talking about the best baby led weaning gear that you might consider if you're making the transition to solid foods with your baby. Thank you so much for having me. This is awesome. Before we get going deep on the specific gear recommendations for baby led weaning, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at Babylist? So uh, my name is Jen Labratio and I am the gear editor at Babylist, which basically means I get to test out and write about baby gear for a living. (laughs) Um, It's pretty amazing. I cover all types of baby gear, um, everything from strollers and car seats to feeding gear, which is how we met. Um, We did an article on baby led weaning and a guide to um, our favorite baby led weaning products. And I wanted to talk with you because you are the feeding expert. Um, And I'm so glad I'm here to just talk about like combining your expertise in that area with the gear expert. And do you want to know a little bit about how I want to know about your personal life too. I'm going to ask you very specific (laughs) questions, but I think it it's so cool that you like actually use these products in your real life too. I do. So I've been doing, I've been in the baby space for about six or seven years now, and I have two kids of my own. I actually have an eight-year-old boy and then I have a nine-month-old boy. So I have the experience of a very older child and then now a new baby. And I live in New Jersey with my family and... Well, I feel like for other parents, if you had a seven year gap between kids, they'd be like, oh my gosh, the baby world has changed so much. Like what's this $1,500 snoo and why is everyone buying a $1,200 stroller? But you were like in it through the time when your older son was growing up. So, but when you went to go have a second baby. I mean, you essentially had to go get everything from scratch again, right? Yes. I basically had to get everything from scratch. Thankfully, because of my wonderful job at Babylist, I get to test out a lot of things. I get things sent to me and I also buy things on my own because I just want to test them out. But yeah, I'd say when I had my older son, it was the world of baby gear was obviously changing and starting to pick up steam and starting to get more like tech savvy and all those things. But now in the, I'd say in the years that he's gotten older and now that I have a new little one, I think it's really, it's really changed. Like you said, like there's now like the snoo and there's, you know, there's all these different high chairs and there's, there's also so much more information available to parents. So there were podcasts and Instagram when I had my first son, but they weren't as popular as they are now. So the fact that now parents have these resources to turn to, I think is a game changer. Like, you know, I mean, I, I was a fan of you before doing this interview just because I saw you on Instagram and I followed your information and I, I learned a lot from you. So having those resources, like that has been a big change that was not really as prevalent as it is now, you know, when I had my, my first little guy. And I knew what baby list was, but I never used it because I feel like you guys have gotten so big. My, my youngest are twins. I had seven kids in three years. Like it was intense. And so there was lots of like amazing. just hand-me-downs and reusing. And then once I got into yeah. feeding, everything is gifted, which was fabulous to try stuff out. And then, you know, the more kids you have, no offense to Babylist, but you realize the less stuff you need. Totally. And then when I met you, I was like, oh my gosh, Babylist is massive. So we worked on that BLW baby gear recommendation for Babylist together. And I know you shared that. I loved it because you're like, I'm actually doing baby led weaning as a second time mom. So curious, how's that going for you? And is this like a different approach than you did with your older child? Tell us where you're at in the baby led weaning space as a mom. Yeah. So with my first son, he was a preemie um, and he had some feeding issues in the beginning and he like wouldn't breastfeed and I had to pump and, 
you know, he took a bottle fine, but he never really, never really nursed that well. So when solids rolled around, I was pretty nervous overall. I was very nervous about the quantity of food he was taking in because he was so small and because I always had such an eye on his weight and because I was a first time parent who was super nervous about everything. Um, so, and I did know about baby led weaning then I believe at that point I read like the book, like the, the actual book about it. And there was a little information online, but not a ton. So what I kind of did the first time was a hybrid approach. I did some purees. I did some like thicker purees as he got a little more advanced. And then I did some larger chunks of food. And then as we did progress pretty quickly through purees, he actually was a really good solids eater, uh, much better than he was with a bottle. So we, once he was showing signs of readiness, we sort of moved through the purees pretty quickly, but I wasn't all in. I was, you know, as I said, at first time parent nervous and the weight thing got me. I was very focused on like how much he's getting. Is he eating enough? Is he gaining enough weight? Fast forward to the second child who was full term couldn't be more different, had no feeding issues, nurses fine. I waited until the absolute like last second to start solids because I was like, it's messy and I don't need another thing to deal with. So he was, he was ready. I mean, he was sitting up well before six months, but I waited until six, a little after six months to start. And I'm doing just baby led weaning this time. So he's nine months now and I love, 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 love it. There are many more resources, which is how I found you in the first place. I've learned a lot of stuff, you know, from being in the industry. I talked to a lot of professional people in the baby industry anyway. So I kind of knew more going in. I'm so much more relaxed this time. I feel more comfortable. I feel more confident as a parent. And we, he's never really had a puree, not because I'm against them. Like I'm, you know, one of those parents who's like, you do what works for you and more power to you. And we've, I take that back. He's had pouches and, you know, occasionally and stuff like that but I tried to pretty much stay pretty pure into baby led weaning and he's doing great. He loves it. He is, like I said, nine and a half months old. He ate what we ate for dinner last night. He's having leftovers for lunch. It's great. I can't say enough good things about it. I love that. I was talking to a mom yesterday who's like, what does he eat at daycare now? Cause they used to only want to do purees and she's nine months and he's doing great at baby led weaning. She's like, Oh, I just send him leftovers. Like it was no big deal. I was like, Whoa, listen to what you yeah. just said. Like you just said, you sent him with salmon and mashed potatoes and yeah. green beans. Like, how cool yeah. is that, that your baby at nine months of age, again, you're not forcing anything. He's developmentally capable of doing it already. You don't have to go make all these special foods or buy these special foods yeah. for your baby. So I love the simplicity. The other thing is that now that, so when we had, we're a family who like my husband and I like to cook and we, are, we, you know, we certainly order out sometimes, but for the most part, we cook, you know, every night. When I had my first son, I had to get used to that mindset of like, oh, we're going to eat as a family because we were, you know, living in a city and working late and eating at like nine o'clock at night. And then we have this baby and we're like, oh, I have to like make a family dinner. And so that was a little harder to get your head around. Now, you know, I have an eight year old who comes home from school and wants to eat dinner at like 515 because we have sports or we have whatever. So to be able to make that one family meal is key. Like I don't have time to make separate things for the baby. So that part of it, the ease and simplicity when you're already, you know, I'm already in there cooking anyway. So like he can just eat like the pesto pasta that, you know, and the chicken that we ate last night. So it's been great. I love it. Um, just real curious. Is your husband on board with it? He is. He's totally on board with it. He definitely knows a little less about it. Um, I have sent him things, you know, sites to follow and read and information. And he, at first he was a little like, you know, there was a little, a little gagging, but I was explaining like, this is the difference between a gag and a choke and like, see what he's doing. And he's actually teaching himself to like move the food forward in his mouth. And 
he was, he was pretty quick to take, you know, to catch on. And yeah, my husband is now like, he loves it because again, it's easy and he can just, doesn't have to worry about like, do I have to make special food for the baby? He just feeds whatever, you know, whatever we're having. Jen, can you tell us a little bit about the gear selection process at Babylist? I was always curious, like, do companies pay you guys to be featured in your articles and in content, or is it truly organic selections or a combo? And also, do you just feature U.S. products or products that are internationally available? How does the whole system work at Babylist? Sure. So Babylist in general, I don't know if we covered exactly what we are, but we are a a universal baby registry site. So you can make a registry, say you want to add things from your baby registry from some of the bigger box stores like a Target or an Amazon, but you also want something from Etsy or a smaller site, you can add any product from any website. It comes on one universal registry. It's so much easier. It's so wonderful. I can't believe it wasn't thought of sooner. And I know so many people who've used it. I use it. So that's our one side. We have the registry side. We also have a store where you can buy products right from the baby list store online. And then there's my side of it. So I'm on the editorial side, the content side. So to answer your question, no, we, I do not get paid. I do not, no one sponsors me. My picks are truly organic. Um, All the products that I choose are either, we kind of get to it. We choose the products in a few different ways. Some of them are products that me as the baby gear expert loves, have most of them I've used myself and tested out. We also have a team on our editorial team who helps contribute, you know, if there's something that I haven't tested or something that they're loving, that they're using as real parents, that, you know, that plays into the um, selections as well. And then we also do surveys to our babyless users. So we'll survey thousands of parents. We'll ask, what are your favorite car seats? What are your favorite high chairs? What play arts do you like and why? And then we take all that information, kind of triangulate all of those different data points. And then that's how I make my picks nothing is ever branded or sponsored on my end. We do actually have a branded content studio that is for brands if they're interested in doing sponsored content with us, but that's totally separate from what I do on the like product guide side of things. Okay. So the product guides are your objective experience and opinion, and you can't pay to be placed in a product guide. No, you can't. Well, you can, but it will be a sponsored guide. So it will say, sponsored and it will say brought to you by. Okay. So it's clearly disclosed. Yes. It's clearly disclosed. Yeah. Yeah. No, we are, we always say we're not, our side of it is very pure and objective. And like, we, we don't want to recommend a product to someone that we don't like, and we would never, we would never do that. And now listen, there are things that like maybe don't work for me, but might work for you. And I will say that in my review, I will say, you know, this stroller doesn't really meet my needs and maybe it didn't, I wouldn't say I, I wouldn't like it, but I, it wasn't for me, but I could see why it could be, you know, for someone else living in a different area or with a different, you know, different number of children or at a different price point. So we always try to be really careful about not ever saying this is the best thing, but more, this is the best product for you. And here's why. Love it. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible, and works with your lifestyle as a parent or caregiver. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can take you on the journey of self-discovery from wherever you are. And getting to know yourself can be a lifelong process, especially because we're always growing and changing. And I think this is particularly true for parents. because I know firsthand how you can feel torn between your old baby-free, carefree self and this new, very challenging role of parenting a small person. 
Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding, as well as talking through, things that can help you know what you want or why you react the way you do. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month today. When it comes to baby led weaning gear, so I'm not a big advocate for having to spend a lot of money. I mean, we are trying to help your child learn how to eat real food. It shouldn't be a whole thing as far as spending money goes. However, I know there are parents who do like to spend money, but if people are like, okay, what's the one thing I need to spend money on? I do think that having a safe seat for your baby to eat in is a worthwhile investment. So let's start with high chairs. What high chair do you have at home? And then which high chairs do you recommend and why? Totally. So I completely agree with you. Um, and I kind of, even though I do work in the baby gear industry, I do agree that a lot of the times less is more. You don't have to spend a ton of money on baby gear if you don't want to. You certainly can. There's plenty of places to spend it. But in terms of high chairs, I could not agree more. I think the high chair is the thing you should focus on for baby led weaning and for just feeding your baby in general. A good high chair will last you from six months until some of them last until an adult. If an adult wants to sit in the chair, they can. So the high chair I have at home is the Stoka Trip Trap. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of the Stoka Trip Trap. It's been around since the early 70s. It's a classic design. There are several things I really like about it. Obviously, I like the look of it. But when it comes to high chairs, I don't think the look is really the first thing you should go for. I think you should make sure it fits your child well and it functions well. And I think the Stoka does that. It's super ergonomic. There's tons of custom adjustments. You can adjust the seat depth. You can adjust the footrest. So you, basically, you're making sure your child is in the correct position, which you can talk about uh, for eating. And then I love that it pulls right up to the table. So we have the tray attachment and the infant insert for ours, which is the infant insert is just like a little extra seat that goes in. It helps support the baby when they're younger. And the tray we bought because sometimes we like to pull him right up to the table and use it with a bowl on our table, but we have a wooden table and the plates don't stick to it very well. So at this age, it's tricky for him to be at the table because he likes to fling everything off the table. So sometimes I will use the tray and I'll still, you're still able to get the chair pretty close to the table, but I love that the tray can pop off and you can just bring the baby right to the family dinner table or breakfast table or whatever. And then cleaning wise, that's my other thing that I look for. It's so easy to clean. If you have the infant insert, it's made of like a really a really easy to clean, like hard plastic. If you don't, they're just sitting on a plain wooden seat. Also super easy to wipe down. The tray is easy to clean and manageable, not huge, not too small, the good size. And the chair holds up to 242 pounds, which is crazy. It's like my step stool in my kitchen. <laughs> I know. And you know what? I will say, I didn't quite realize how important that was. And, and I'm sure you could speak to the fact that a baby should have, when they're eating, their feet should be supported, right? They shouldn't have dangling feet. So when my older son, I use it, the trip trap with him. And when he was about probably four, almost five, I thought, okay, well, he's probably old enough to sit at the kitchen chair. Like I'll take this, I'll, I'll take it away. I switched him to a kitchen seat. His feet were not touching the ground. And I cannot tell you how much it impacted his eating. He was getting up more. He couldn't. You're so fidgety. It's like, it's like, it was so, so fidgety. And as soon as I moved him back, it went away. And it was all because he just, he was seated properly at, at in the Stoka. So we will not be making that mistake. This no. Time. And that's such an important point is that you're not just choosing a high chair with the Stoka. And then also I use the Nomi, which was designed by Peter Opsvik, the same designer, just kind of a yep. newer 
variation of it, but they grow with your child into adolescence. And so for homework, having your kid's feet sitting flat on that adjustable foot plate is huge for helping them concentrate and focus. And safety is a concern with regards to choking for older children as well. And so I think sometimes parents go into like, oh, I'm buying a high chair for six months. No, you're not. If you do it right, you can buy a chair for at least the next decade. My oldest is seven and we have seven of the Stoka trip traps. And I like that chair too, because it has been around since 1972. So there's a good number of them on the used market. So yes, while they are on the pricier side, they're certainly not the most expensive high chair, but you can find them used. I want to ask you a question because all of mine are used and they're now more than like five or six years old at this point. So as I understand it, Stoka only sells the high chair with the, like you can buy the chair, but you can also buy it as a high chair, which comes with the baby guard and the straps. In my version of it, I cannot remove the straps without a tool. And that's why I don't like that chair as much as the Nomi because I can't take the straps off and throw it in the washing machine. But I was just writing up a review and a mom wrote back to me and she's like, no, in the newer trip trap, when you take the baby insert off, the straps come out with it and you can throw them in the washing machine. Is that true? Yes, I'm pretty sure. So I haven't, to be perfectly honest, I haven't done it, but I'm from what I remember and from the way I'm remembering the chair setup, yes, I know they did make that. I'm pretty sure they made that change. Yes. And I think the straps are also, I feel like on the older one, they were a little tougher to clean. The straps on my current one are super easy to wipe down. You just like, I use a wet cloth and I just really scrub and it pretty much, unless you're dealing with like tomato sauce. Like clearly you're not stick. eating enough spaghetti sauce over at the well, Labratio house. We are. Um, oh, come on, the Labratios eat a ton of spaghetti. <laughs> um, but yes, it comes off. You just can't let it sit. But yes, they're easy to adjust for the most part. They're a little stiff in the beginning, but once you slide the um, adjuster a few times, it gets easier. And we'll probably keep the infant insert in for a while. I keep it until my fat baby can't fit in there anymore. And that's usually around 15 months or so, I would say it starts to get like uncomfortable and starting to push into their stomach. And by that point, they're full-blown toddler. You need the straps and then pull them up to the table. Um, And you mentioned the tray. Sometimes parents get a little put off by um, the separate tray purchase, but Peter Ofspick designed that chair to be pulled up to the table. And so you know, one of the tenets of baby led weaning is the opportunity to eat with the whole family. However, for families that have bar height or counter height tables, because high chairs can't go that high, they wouldn't pass the tip test. Or if they did, they, the footprint would be so large that no one would ever want it in their kitchen. And some families do have to buy that tray. It is also nice to, like you say, like if you want to have the baby close by to you when you're maybe eating outside or you're, you're moving around or you're, you're traveling, the trip trap is certainly a little bit on the heavier side but it is yeah. really portable. And I like that it has quite a small footprint. Again, for me, I'm putting seven of them around a table. I like that yeah, it doesn't take I, up half my kitchen. So I, that's another thing I will say about high chairs. I like the look of a lot of the more modern ones, but a lot of the modern chairs have four splayed legs that kind of come out. You can't really see it on Deal the podcast, breaker. but they sort of come out from the center and they're very wide. So although they are minimalist high chairs in the aesthetic sense of the word. They're not minimal in the space they take up and you can kind of push them in and there are ways to get around it. But I love that the Stoka doesn't have that. The Nomi is the same. Like you can, like you said, you have seven of them. Like they're like a regular seat. There's nothing to trip on. There's nothing to fall over. They're heavy, but they're not, they don't take up a ton of room. They do have a pretty small footprint. And I love that. And if you guys want to learn more about high chair design. We actually had Kirsty Vondras, who's the ergonomist who works with Peter Ofsvik, who designed both the Trip Trap and the Nomi. She was on an episode 92. It's called How to Choose a Safe Seat for Your Baby to Eat with Kirsty Vondras. And I'll link that in the show notes where I'm going to be linking all of the things that Jen is talking about as well. So Jen, let's talk about bibs. I know we both agree that some of the silicone trough bibs, I think they're kind of ridiculous. I think it's gross to like have <laughs> leftover food and slobber like 
retained in a <laughs> trough. Out of the trough. What do you I, mean? <laughs> and then like sometimes the dog gets in there. Like, but um, some of them are really heavy and I just like that they weigh the baby's head down. They can impede their ability to self-feed. But I know we disagree a little bit because you do like some other bibs that I haven't tried. So which bibs do you like and why? So I agree with you on the on most of the silicone bibs. We actually tried a few silicone bibs with my first son and we had exactly that problem. I thought the silicone bib was sort of the only way to go because I didn't know at that time really about some of the other ones that I know about now. And we had exactly the problem you were talking about. It like was very bulky. It sat weird on his neck. He kept touching it and pulling it off and it, it did not go well. So this time around, because I now know a lot more about baby gear, I did try a silicone bib with very low expectations. And I have to say, I was very pleasantly surprised. Um, I really like the Lalo bibs. Lalo makes a high chair as well. Um, they make all, also make a play uh, a play gym and a booster seat and a few other feeding accessories. But their bibs, I think, are super lightweight. The silicone isn't really heavy. It's like a thinner, softer silicone. It doesn't bother his neck at all. It sort of like just sits nicely. He never pulls it off. And the trough... <laughs> As I said, he likes to eat out of it, which is disgusting, but it's angled really well. So it does catch, I'd say like 60 to 70% of what falls, which is pretty good. So I like those, but then I also do really like, um, which we agree on the Bapren baby bib. Um, we have two of those. So they're more of a softer, what would you call that material? Even It's like a that? waterproof material. Yeah. But it's a fabric and it's a little on the pricier side too. But like I've had some of my vaporins for five years. They're, they're six years old this week. And I know I've had some like almost since they launched and they look as good as the day I got them. Yes. Yeah, so that's what I was going to say. Like what, again, what I didn't know previous to having a baby was that like, oh, I thought like a bib, you just put like a regular bib on your kid, like a cloth bib on your kid and you have a meal. Well, cloth bibs like absorb a ton of food, a ton of liquid. They're uncomfortable. And then you have to wash them every single time. With the vaporin, because it's that waterproof material, everything either just like slides right off or when you're done, you can, I actually physically wipe mine down. Sometimes I don't even put them in the wash. I wipe them and yeah, I rinse dry. mine underneath the sink yes. and just dry them on the drain board. And I learned that with the quadruplets because four babies, three meals a day, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't even have 12 bibs. So like four, just to rinse them drain board, they dry. I mean, you have to wash them occasionally. Have you tried their splash mats at all from Vapor and Baby? I love I them. I have not, but I know you said you love them. And I actually was going to buy one for a recent trip. We stayed at um, some friend's house and I didn't want to get their kitchen filthy. So, but I didn't have time. I, I waited too long. And so I just ordered a different, cheaper one. And I love um, the Vapor and material because again, I know Kelsey, the owner has spent a lot of time really sourcing her materials. And so the bib is, I think they just raised the pricing it because everything's happening. I mean, it's $22, but I always tell parents like, you can buy a pack of bibs for $20 that you're going to throw out in two months, or you can buy a $20 bib, like a Bapron that your baby literally will wear until they grow out of it. So the, I think the sizing with Bapron is a little confusing because the smaller one is called toddler, but you start when your baby's six months of age and that's technically a baby, not a toddler. But then yeah. they say that toddler is from six months to three years, but I've never had a child past two years be able to fit in the toddler size. And I would say I have small to medium sized babies. So Beginning around two years of age, I find most families need to size up to their preschool size. But again, I learned this with my quadruplets when they went to preschool. The only way I could get them to eat breakfast is if we got dressed first. Like there's no way if you sat down to breakfast that then they would. So I would, I know this is not, you're supposed to use food as a bride, but I'd be like, if everybody gets dressed, we can have breakfast. But then like, sure as heck, I'm not going to let you eat breakfast with your school clothes on. So I had to put the toddler bib over. People on Instagram be like, aren't they a little old for bibs? And I was like, why don't you come over to my house and do my freaking laundry? I love preschool age bibs. So I like love the whole Bapron line. I think they're fabulous. Yeah. I mean, I only own, 
I own like two Lalo bibs and two Bapron bibs. And I have, so my other favorite is Bumpkins, which is similar to Bapron. I'd say their material is a little like thicker and a li- it's like a little more plasticky feeling, but not in a bad way. It's just different, but they, it's the same idea with the bumpkins. Like you can wipe them or rinse them and hang them to dry. Yeah. I mean, I probably use the same two or three bibs over and over and over and over. Now I'm only feeding one baby, but still like, but still, I, I think that's what most parents want to do. Like I don't yeah. need a, I don't need 10 bibs. I need like, so to the price point, like, yes, they're the bumpkins and the bapron are a little bit higher, but for me, like that's what we're going to use for the next two years. And like, yep. that's it. And for the bumpkins, I do like their bibs. However, their splash mats I found are not as durable as Bapron because you cannot throw them in the drying. They get destroyed in the dryer. But because the Bapron splash mats are made out of the same waterproof material and not plastic that their bibs are, you can wash them and put them in the dryer, no problem. And then they also pack down really small. So it's a great one to take with you, like you said, to your friend's house or grandma's house. I take it, I use it as a picnic blanket if we're outside. But if you guys do want to check out the Bapron products, it's B-A-P-R-O-N. They're on social at Vapor and Baby or VaporandBaby.com. I have an affiliate discount code KD10. Works for 10% off everything on their site. And they have some other feeding gear on there too. But I can't stress enough. The bibs and the splash mats are awesome. They also have the really, really great patterns. I love all their designs. Oh, they're adorable. I know. And she, I was talking to, actually talked to Kelsey yesterday. And um, she's amazing. I'm like, you keep coming out with all of these new patterns. She's like, I know I need to stop. But then someone will write and be like, we need farm animals. It's like, no, they're, they're so cute. Farm animals. They're so them. cute. And they have an amazing, if you guys aren't on their email list, they have this great surprise sale. So like, um, she's just moving her warehouse, like, and she was telling, I was like, you know, the inventory and stuff. And I was like, do the surprise sale because you just say if it's boy or girl, or you don't care, gender neutral, whatever. And then they just ship you like however many you order, but they're a little bit cheaper, but then they're just like surprise pattern, but they also have solid color ones. So we do a lot of photo shoots and you don't want the patterns to be distracting. Like when you're trying to teach something and everyone's like, Ooh, I love that bib. I'm like, no, we're talking about the size of the food. Um, but they also, they, I know you have a son, but he could wear it too. They have these amazing yeah. new flutter sleeve Bapron baby bibs now. And she said they're like flying off the shelves. I buy them for every girl baby. They are adorable. So, okay. Uh, we could talk about bibs all day. Let's move on to suction mats and bowls. Okay. Key to stabilizing baby and promoting independent eating. What are you using at your house and which ones are you recommending for baby list as far as suction mats and bowls go? So we are huge fans, both of Babylist and myself personally of Easy Peasy, which I know you are a huge fan of as well. And you could probably talk to a little more about like the expert angle, but I know that they're all designed alongside um, a pediatric feeding specialist who's on their team and helps as a hand in pretty much everything. So like, you and said, doesn't it ev- blow your mind that other feeding brands don't have credentialed feeding experts designing their products? Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah, but it's completely developmentally inappropriate and dangerous, but like, I do love the Easy Peasy products. Not only are they cute, but they have a feeding expert designing all of them. My phone is bursting at the seams with photos of our kids. And over the years, I've tried all sorts of different ways to store and share them with family members. So for a while, I would just text out pictures to the grandparents. And then we tried a shared photo album. But some people were using Google Photos and others preferred Facebook Messenger for pictures. And the more kids we had, the messier it got. Then I stumbled across the Family Album app. The Family Album app was created to give parents a secure and easy way to share photos and videos with loved ones. It's a totally secure, personal haven for your family's memories. I love that there's no third-party ads, no unwanted eyes, and it's totally free. No more scrolling through endless feeds or searching folders to find the picture of the kid that you need right now. Another cool feature about the Family Album app is you can order eight free photo prints every month to be delivered to your home. 
which if you think about how quickly your baby is changing, it's really nice to have some tangible pictures to hold onto or share to document the last month of your baby's life. If you're looking to level up your photo sharing and organization game with a secure, one-stop, easy-to-use photo organization app, head over to the App Store, search Family Album, download the Family Album app, and start creating a legacy of love one photo at a time. Well, and I think it lends so much like integrity and also trustworthiness to a brand because, you know, even someone like me who works, like I work in this industry, I write and talk about baby gear all day, but I'm not a feeding specialist. I'm not a pediatrician. I'm not a a credentialed expert in any other way other than like, I'm a parent and my job is to review, you know, I have a professional expertise in baby gear, but that certainly doesn't sub, you know, for an actual you know, a nutritionist credential or anything. So when I see a company taking the time to add someone like that on to their staff and to also explain why, especially when it comes to, you know, things like safe sleep and feeding is another one. Like I want to know that this bowl that I'm using is, you know, designed specifically to help my learning to eat child, you know, understand that you can, you know, use your finger and scoop the food from the bowl. It helps him pick up, you know, food that he's eating. Like I wouldn't necessarily know that as just like a regular old parent. So yes, I love Easy Peasy. We use their mini mat. We use um, Babylist has a really cool exclusive set with them. It's called, what is it called? I think it's just called the First Foods Gift Set. And it comes with a tiny bowl. It comes with a two pack of their spoon. And it also comes with a tiny cup. And the print is really cute. And you can only get it on Babylist. Oh, I want to check it out. So it's like a color or a design that's only exclusive to Babylist? Yep. It's exclusive baby list. It comes in an adorable little gift box with like a. Oh, let's get some uh, of those top. for yeah, a giveaway or cute. something. No, yeah, that's totally. cool. I love I love an exclusive. I uh, know, and I love them. I you know, like I said, we use them. I think the bowl, especially like even from a pretty young age, before my son had his pincer grip, he could scoop and slide the food, and the rim of the bowl is really low and curved, just at the right angle. So he was able to pick up the larger pieces of food by kind of scraping his hand and grabbing it. So that's what we use. And like I said, I don't have, we have a wooden table, so it does work. They work on the table fairly well, but he is like very, he's an aggressive food thrower. So I have to be careful and you have to keep eyes on him at all time. So I alternate. Sometimes I'll put it on the table, but then if I put it on my tray, it'll stick to the, to the high chair tray. Okay. And that's because you have the trip trap tray. Yes, correct. Because so the key with easy peasy things, and I've learned this too over the years is the surface needs to be clean and dry and flat. Well, like with baby led weaning, there's not a lot of clean and dry happening, but you got to start there. But flat is key because if you have a distressed table at all, even wood with wood grain, it's not going to stick. And so parents will be like, these don't work. Like they do. So one tip there, what I'll do sometimes is um, I have like a big, heavy, flat cutting board, and then I'll put that on top of the table and then put the bowl on top of that just to stabilize the kid. Or I've done that like when we do TV segments and stuff and you're like at a picnic table and it's cloth. I'm like, this is not going to stick. So bringing a, the cutting board can help. And then I have heard of families that have the um, the Stoka Click high chair. I don't know why, but they say that the tiny bowls don't suction to that. There must be like some sort of finish or resin on the Stoka the tray for that, but it's not on the trip trap. So no, again, it I mean, works pretty well. I also sometimes I have a silicone placemat that I also sometimes use. So I'll double up. I'll sometimes put the silicone placemat down and then the bowl on top of it. And that tends to help because you're like sticking one sticky thing on another. Honestly, I think it's also kid dependent too, because some I've seen some babies sit and they just sit and they eat nicely and they like pick one piece of food up at a time. And I mean, it's not, it's never like mess free, but I think it does depend on the temperament of the child. My little one is like just 
all over the place. And he, it's like, yeah, especially as he gets older, they get a little more. And then I love that mini mat. That's my, I mean, my go-to baby shower gift is first food set hands down hundred percent. It's under 50 bucks. There's always sales at easy peasy. It's the three things you need a bowl, the two pack of the baby weaning spoons and the open cup. It's cute. It's all packaged together. And I'm always like, no offense, but moms do not need another onesie for their baby. Like what your friends want from a shower is like something that's going to serve them a little bit after they have the baby six months. Like they always text you or write you like, oh my gosh, thank you so much for the feeding totally. gear. This is so well, it cool. sneaks up on you too. You kind of exactly. don't realize in the beginning, like, oh, I'm going to need all of this separate stuff for solids because you're so caught up in trying to figure out rightfully so all the things you need just in the beginning. And then all of a sudden your baby is eating solids. You're like, oh my God, I need a whole other set of items. I'll say also on the, on the easy peasy stuff, it holds up really well we only have a couple pieces and we just wash them and use them over and over. So again, like I don't know price wise, like I'm sure you could probably get plastic stuff for a lot cheaper, but I don't think it's super high in price. And I think it is, it pays itself off in dividends. And it's a hundred percent food grade silicone. It's totally safe because you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics is recommending against the use of certain additives in and around children, including plastics. And that includes the foods and the, the utensils that we feed plates, et cetera, that we feed our babies off of. So we're really trying to wait, move away from plastic. So even with their utensils, it's food grade silicone, or they use, I believe it's nylon in the tines of their forks. And that's for, for older babies after age one. And we'll talk about utensils next, but I throw them in the washing machine or the dishwasher all the time. Occasionally families do complain that the easy peasy products leave kind of a soapy taste. And I always taste the foods that I'm serving to my baby too, especially to check and make sure they're not too hot. I think that's silicone in general though. It does, but if you you just do um, a solution of um, vinegar and water and just soak it for a little bit, it really gets that soapy taste out right away. So don't, and occasionally some parents will say like, well, my mats aren't sticking and I'll say, turn it over. Is it really easy peasy? Because, you know, easy peasy is the original silicone suction mat and bowl company, but there are so many knockoffs as you see in the baby gear space. I mean, it's, you can almost count to the day when they're going to start yeah. coming up um, once you put a new product design out. And so if it truly is easy peasy, if it is clean, flat and dry, it will suction. Yes, I and, agree. Um, and then I have a code as well for them. It's I'm an affiliate for them. I love them, but I use them in my own house and my baby led weaning practice as well. The code KD10 will always get you 10% off at easy peasy. So let's move on to utensils. We do have a lot of feeding experts on the podcast. Don Winkleman, the speech language pathologist and feeding expert for easy peasy comes on all the time you know, talking about the developmentally appropriate design features in Easy Peasy. They do a great job of like combining that with also making them cute and having a nice color line and being at an affordable price point. When it comes to utensils, though, we know that babies around six months of age can begin to use a spoon. There are no fork milestones for babies prior to one. So for focusing on spoons for baby led weaning, you mentioned you use the tiny spoons. I love them as well. Are there other spoons that you like from companies other than Easy Peasy? So I have like anti-utensil children, I think. Okay. <laughs> um, we try, I try with, I tried with my older son. He was just not into any utensils for probably I mean, months. It was a long time before he really had any interest in like, he would just use his hands and I was fine with that. I always offered the spoon, but he never really took to it with my current son. And then also just in terms of stuff that I recommend to other parents, um, I do like the easy peasy spoons. Like you said, I think they're, I think size is the, is the thing to really focus on when you're, when you're dealing with the utensil, so many of the forks and spoons. And like you said, you're not doing a fork with a child under one, but even the spoons are so big. And when you actually look at like how little your baby's hand is and how little their mouth is and their tongue, yeah, they're overwhelmed. So I love the tiny spoon. Um, he can, he can hold it when he chooses to, which is not often. And I like the shape and I like the small little, um, the head of it. And then the other ones that I like are the goo tensils, which are from num num, which aren't really 
I don't even know if you'd call them a spoon. It's got a, they have flat heads. They call them like pretensils, I think. Yeah. That so the yeah. reason I like those is because they're kind of easy um, to teach like the scraping motion. So they have two stages. They have one that has a flat head that is completely filled in. And then they have another one with like a channel in the center and they're used for different textures of food. So the thicker the food, you can use the one with the little channel in it. And for the beginning when it's, you know, and again, I use it mostly for like yogurt or um, like oatmeal, which we don't do a ton of because again, he throws it everywhere. But I think those are a good kind of starting off point, especially for a kid who isn't really taking to them so quickly. But other than that, no, like we, I don't, you know, I'm sort of an easy peasy purist when it comes to that. I know me too, just because again, I've tried everything else out there, but also developmentally, it's inappropriate or unsafe. I can't use it or feature it and stuff. So I just tend towards the easy peasy products because I know they are designed by Don, who is their feeding expert. And I just don't like the idea of having to buy multiple different things. Like I'm not gonna buy a high chair and then a toddler chair and then a big kid chair. Like I just want to do one and get it out of the way. And I do like the tiny spoons from easy peasy because babies can learn to dip and scoop with them. In addition to doing that preloaded spoon approach that we do early on. And do you feel like with and now that since we're on the topic now, I'm curious, like, do you think that that we should as parents be encouraging like the utensil use? Or do you think letting them use their hands is like, kind of where do you fall on that? So I kind of both like I always think I was laughing the other day because a mom emailed me like, I'm so annoyed because my baby won't use the spoon with the pancakes that I offered. I'm like, dude, do you use a spoon with pancakes? Like, no, like, when you're offering a food like yogurt as a way to introduce cow's milk protein, for example, or you're doing oatmeal, different whole grain cereals, if you would normally use a spoon for it, then I put it out there. In the first few days, you do have to preload it, put it in the baby's hand, sometimes occasionally help guide their hand to mouth. But they really, I mean, they've been watching you eat for six months. Like they know what to do with it and they will get the hang of it. So I'll put it out when it's appropriate, but I don't go overboard on it. Like I, I never make a food that could be served in a soft strip about the size of my adult pinky finger. I never go turn it into a puree. So like, I feel like the yeah. more variety of we're doing five new foods a week, maybe one of them would be a spoon food and then we're reincorporating it. So a few meals a week, they might use the spoon, but more often than not, even as they get close to one, we were practicing with the utensils, but they're still going to use their hands. And that's perfectly fine. As long as they're the ones driving the feeding experience. And what if they throw the said really spoon across the floor? Well, I kind of like the two pack of the easy peasy spoons because you do drop them on the floor. And then I, I use the splash mat. So I pick it up and put it back. Like it's nice to have backup ones. I don't have dogs, but like I have seen other dogs destroy those. I I wish I had never wished I had a dog more than when I started feeding my Uh, children. (laughs) I want like a neighbor dog that just comes over and comes up after, but I don't have to take care of. But also I, the easy peasy spoons, like I lose half of them to the garbage disposal too. So I do end up replacing them pretty frequently, but I just, I mean, they are really durable, but you know, I'm sorry, you can't design a spoon that the garbage disposal of the dog's not going to eat. So, (laughs) okay. Let's chat about open cups and important tool for babies to start learning how to drink independently. And our goal is by 12 months of age, we'd like to see baby drinking out of an open cup independently, albeit with some spillage. This helps families hit their milestones. And then our goal ultimately being to transition the baby off of the bottle around 12 months of age and the open cup training. Again, we've had Dawn on a ton teaching about how babies learn to swallow and how we want to do open cups before straw cups. And it helps with their speech milestones because the feeding milestones come before speech milestones. Are you guys doing open cup? Have you started covering that more with baby list as a lot more research and data is coming out and also better products? We used to say that. And then we would like give babies shot glasses because there were no small <laughs> cups for them to drink out of glass. Not great for their little developing mouths, but like now that they're silicone products, like the easy peasy tiny cup, yeah. is that something you're covering more? Yeah. So actually it's interesting that you brought that up. The way we try to cover things like that, where there is like a research component or, you know, something that's changing in the baby space is I will always incorporate that kind of information in our guides. And when I'm writing the guides, 
as much as I can, I will always try to interview an expert. Like I was saying before, like I, you know, having expertise in gear is one thing, but I am not a substitute for you. For example, I go to you when I want to know like how to correctly position a child in a high chair and what's appropriate and what's not. And can I use a fork before, you know, X months old and whatever. But I go to you because you've tried all the high chairs out there and like, I can't afford that. Like, <laughs> yes, which is why we're a good combination. But that's kind of what we try to bring to our guides. Like whenever there's an opportunity for an expert input and we're doing more and more of this, you know, as there's, you know, more developing research and expertise around various areas. But especially when it comes, like I said, to topics like sleep and um, feeding and things at car seats is another one. Anything where there is like where an expert opinion is going to be helpful and informative and help your child stay safe, we are all in. So yes, whenever I write about feeding, whenever I write about cups, for instance, I will cite research about like, you know, the benefits of an open cup, the benefits of a straw rather than drinking from a sippy cup. I don't know if you can hear my son, he's screaming in the background. No, but, okay, I know. But also <laughs> I think it helps parents too, because sometimes I'm like, am I just being sold something by a brand? Like, do I actually need this? Like I love reviews to be like, eh, you don't really need this. And I like the baby list does that too. Like you're never disparaging a brand, but like this might not be for everyone. And it's not like imperative. Correct. And that's what we always try to say. And we also try to say like, listen, the reality of like, Sippy cups, for example, like a spouted sippy cup, they're still on the market and there are people who still buy them. They're not unsafe. You know, it's different than say an unsafe sleep situation where we would never, ever encourage like your baby sleeps on a, you know, on a firm surface with nothing in the crib and like on their, you put them to sleep on their back and like, that's that. And we will always follow like the AAP recommendations and all that. But when it comes to something like cups, I like to say like, okay, here's what's out there. And like, you know, here's what the experts are saying. Here's what the research is saying. So when it for cups is a great example. Yes, we're using a straw, but we're also using the open cup. Um, I have, again, I sound like a broken record, but I have the easy peasy tiny cup. Um, we've tried a few and that's the one that I feel is the best. I feel the most comfortable with. Again, like you said, size wise, like it is teeny tiny, but like my nine month old is teeny tiny. So he needs a teeny tiny cup to hold and he still doesn't have the hang of it at all. He's nine months old. He still, he, he understands what to do with it, but he cannot do it. So he usually just dumps it on him. And practice makes progress. And I know parents sometimes want to intervene, especially like I'm a type A parent, like always, you know, we say just don't constantly wipe them and clean them. Like that's a really negative sensory experience for your baby. And it's so important when they hold the cup this way, and the breast milk or the formula dribbles down the side of their mouth and then into their neck. They need to know what that feels like so that they can next time can make the adjustment to prevent that. You're not helping them by cleaning it up real fast. You sometimes got to sit through the mess. It's part of the learning how to eat and learning how to drink process. Yeah, we have a lot of mess happening and I've embraced it. But we, I like that cup. It has a slightly weighted base also. So it's a little heavier on the bottom. It helps him kind of get his hands around it and sort of understand that that's the way you're supposed to hold it, even though he's not really... And she designed it with the sensory bumps on the bottom too. So it doesn't like tip and roll over, which I love. Yeah. So that's the one that I would recommend um, for an open cup. As they get older, my older son drinks out of like one of the, just a stainless cup, which I love. Like he can, I mean, he's eight. He can use regular glass. Oh, I love those. Like the camping cups. They're indestructible. They're they're indestructible. They can go in the dishwasher. They don't pick up any like scent or anything there. I love, love, love them. But that's not until, not until until older. Yeah. And for, for those of you with babies, who if you're using the tiny cup, by when your baby turns one, then Dawn designed the whole mini line, the mini cup and the mini utensils are for 12 months and on. I'm really excited because I think they're going to continue to be offering products for children kind of up the pipeline, um, which I like that because now my kids are getting older and they, they don't like to drink out of the mini cup anymore. It's only four ounces. Like, mom, it's a baby cup. Like we need more bigger kid stuff. So, well, Jen, thank you so much for your insight, both as a baby gear expert 
as the person who reviews all of the feeding gear for Babylist and as a mom actually doing baby led weaning right now, where can our audience go to learn more about Babylist and your gear recommendations? So you can head over to babylist.com. Um, we have a few sections of the website. If you want to check out our store, there's a store tab on top. If you want to also check out our guides, there's a guides tab on top. So click on guides. You'll see a huge information or a huge selection of information with all of our products. We have product guides broken down by category. So feeding, sleep, strollers, car seats. We also have sample registries. So you can see a sample registry if you're trying to build your registry. We have information on pregnancy. We have week by week guides on postpartum and pregnancy. There's tons of great information there, but for the guides, I'd say the guides tab is your best bet on babylist.com. Well, thank you so much, Jen. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. Thanks so much for having me. This was so much fun. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Jen Libratio. Chick knows more about baby gear than anyone I've ever talked to in my life. And I was really interested to learn that the gear recommendations are not sponsored. Like if something on Babylist is sponsored, it says sponsored all over it. You know, I feel like you never know with some blog posts, but Babylist is like very straightforward about whether or not it's sponsored content. And most of Jen's reviews are not sponsored content. I kind of like that. Like, oh, it's just not the biggest brand that paid to be in this article. Like, no, here's a real life mom who's using these things at home, but also it's her full-time job to review baby gear. So I'm going to link to everything we talked about, including all of the items, some of which I've never tried. So I want to say, like, I normally don't recommend products if I've not tried them, but Jen recommended them. So they're going to be on the show notes for this episode, which you can find at blwpodcast.com forward slash 240. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Like a lot of moms out there, I will totally admit I am quite type A. I am a total task master. And one of my weekly work tasks is to review the feedback forms that are new students in my program, which is called Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro, that they leave for us. So basically, this form asks a lot of questions about you and your baby and your baby's feeding and medical history, any concerns that you might have or fears about starting solid foods. And all of this data helps me when I'm answering parent questions inside of our weekly live office hours so I can then tailor my response to your particular baby and situation, right? Because it's not a one-size-fits-all approach when it comes to what your baby's eating, right? Because maybe your baby has an egg allergy or another mom in the program. She might really be struggling with how to make meat safe because she doesn't like to cook. So this week on the forum, there's a new mom named Janine, and she wrote, and this is her quote, I researched a lot on the internet, and I have a lot of books. I saw a lot of other baby-led weaning programs, but in the end, this is the one that I realized is what I'm really looking for as a new mom. I love that Katie's program has a community and that there are videos for everything you need to know and how to make the foods. And what I love the most is that there's already a meal plan ready. And this just like stopped my heart because this is exactly why I created the Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro program. I wanted to literally put everything that you need to know about starting solid food safely in one place with a super easy to follow 20 full weeks meal plan. Okay, there's 20 weeks because it's five foods a week. I want your baby to get to those 100 new foods before they turn one because I also know you have a lot going on as a new mom and hunting and pecking all over the internet to try to figure out what am I going to feed this baby? That is not the solution. So if you want to check out the Baby Led Weaning with Katie Ferraro program, I would be honored to work with you and your baby. You can head to babyledweaning.co to get started and hopefully I'll be reading your feedback soon too.